0: It's time for Governance by Grace. Welcome to Gracearchy with Jim Babka. I just got to say it, the United States Constitution is a multicultural document. And 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to say that, but where we are today in America, I know it was written by a bunch of dead white guys. So how do we respond to this? because, it's, it, Jim, it's really gotten into me since you brought it up the other day. Well, uh, before we explain uh, what we mean here, why has it gotten into you? Well, you know when some something profoundly changes what you thought you knew? Yes. That feeling has been, like, bugging me now for maybe a couple of years. And I know we've got the Colin Kaepernick thing and all that to talk about, but when you take it back to square one, like, how did America get started? You know, I think you're right. And that is sort of... It's really affected the way that I look at the Constitution right now, except for the, Th- the Third Amendment. The Third Amendment is probably not multicultural, and that's the only one that I'm <laughs> spooled up on.
1: <laughs> okay, so you, this is a, a a private joke that we have. Uh, people who call me on the phone, uh, sometimes I answer in funny ways, and one of my favorite ways to answer is that this is the Third Amendment Institute continuing to protect your rights since 1787. So the Third Amendment is the one involving quartering of troops in your home, and so far, near as I can tell, Bill, that's like the only part of the Constitution that Congress or the President or bureaucrats haven't figured out a way to violate so
0: far. Right, right. It hasn't. It's never been. <laughs> but tried they're working
1: thing. on it. They, they've they've got people it. in labs trying to figure out think tanks right now, figuring out how to do that. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt uh, it. No, but this but this it, or, this episode will not be brought to you by the Third Amendment. Uh, Institute, which does not exist, it's brought to you by the Zero Aggression Project, zeroaggressionproject.org. The Zero Aggression Project says that we don't initiate aggression against other people, nor do we delegate that power to, to others. So it kind of rules out all the statist approaches. We choose voluntary or persuasive or cooperative means for solving social problems. Check out zeroaggressionproject.org. So there, we got the plug in right there, right, right at the beginning.
0: Okay. Now. Let's start with this whole living constitution argument. Is the constitution well, a living
1: document? It is not a living document. It It is written in plain, clear language. It means what the plain, clear language says. So typically when you say something, the people who are opposed to the idea of multiculturalism are people who will claim, and I would often question their bona fides, but they will claim that they are strict constructionists, that they believe that what the Constitution says is what it means, okay? They don't want judges doing things like legislating from the bench. And good for them, we don't either. But on the flip side, those of you who believe that multiculturalism is a good thing, then I wanna say to you, the Constitution does indeed mean exactly what it says in the way that it's written. And y'all spend a
0: lot of time violating it, both sides. Yeah, it's true. You can look at history. There's a a process though, being from California, which has a, a, citizens can initiate a legislative amendment to the state constitution um, with enough signatures and all that. We can do that federally as well. And in the sense that we can amend the constitution, um, I would argue that it is in that way, a living reflection of the governed. However, we haven't done that in a while. And that's no, different than I think what the, you know, the living document people tend to interpret the constitution. No,
1: the living document people want to cheat. They want to say that the constitution has to grow and expand. And so they'll look to other constitutions in other lands. Uh, they'll look to cultural norms that are changing. Uh, that is not the court's job. The court's job is to protect individual rights. And when they get beyond that, they start to get in a lot of trouble and frequently they don't they they fail at the individual rights part because they invent doctrines even on the flip side of this thing uh such as compelling state interest which is the notion that the state has such an overriding interest in a given matter that we can put aside individual rights so long as we use an approach called narrow tailoring which means that we just carve out very specifically a set of rules or or a block in which We're going to only address the very immediate concern. So uh, the area that I have encountered this in is in the First Amendment. We attempt, uh, we have campaign finance laws. They are all violations of the First Amendment in the plain language in which it is written. The, The First Amendment says, and I quote, Congress, we all know what that is, right? Yes. Congress shall make, here's the important word, no law and the first the the all of the campaign finance laws were made by congress They are laws that violate freedom of press freedom of speech freedom of association all of these all three of those things get violated by our current campaign finance laws and most americans call for more campaign finance restrictions under the phony belief that prohibition works number one and number two in complete ignorance of the fact that they are undermining the first amendment The courts aid them in that by coming in and saying, uh, there is a compelling state interest, and you're going to love this, Bill. You ready for this one? There is a compelling interest in the government protecting its reputation. Ha, too late. (laughs) (laughs) That if we have campaign finance laws, the system looks cleaner. OK, mm. reminds me of, you know, whitewashed sepulchers like it's clean on the outside, but there's something rotten inside. As long as we can keep the outs, we can violate First Amendment rights if we keep it clean on the outside. So we, we just to be clear, just to summarize all this up and move on, we the, the, the Constitution means exactly what it says. And in so doing, it's a
0: multicultural document. So the declaration itself just to bring this in for a second because we all have to say all men are created equal here bunch of old white guys some of them owned slaves uh wrote these words did they write them to carve out a white guy's nation or did they write them to cover all men women whatever gender you choose these days uh was it inclusive and how do we know that jim
1: Well, let's assume for a second it wasn't. Let's assume that they were trying to do exactly what you said. They were carving it out just for a bunch of old white guys, property owners, wealthy landed interests. Uh, Let's assume that that's what they were up to. That's not what the words say. And we know that the author who wrote them felt some, even though he probably was a bad slave owner, uh, did not believe slavery was right. He said so. He said it needed to be eradicated. Now, they weren't ready, right? Yes. They weren't ready to do that at that time. But I happen to love the Declaration of Independence for what it actually says. I don't care. Like, truth is truth. So let's just be blunt. If you don't like me, it doesn't matter whether you like me. What I'm saying here, it is either true or not true. It's a value or it's not a value. Okay. so the the speaker doesn't matter anywhere as near as much as the words that are said. Okay. and so a, a good idea is a good idea good advice is good advice, right? You might be ticked off that your, your, your mother always tells you what to do, right? But if she told you the right thing to do, and you go out and do something stupid, then instead of taking that advice, then you're an idiot. If you did it because it was, you know, you didn't like what she had to say. So let's, let's, I'm not saying because I don't, I don't want to go pack in time. I'm not look. I'm not one of these nostalgic types. It's like, oh, the country was so much better at its founding, and it was so pure, or right, yeah, whatever. 50 no, years ago. we can't ignore the fact that the South, the Confederate South, antebellum South, uh, was a giant concentration camp. We can't ignore that fact. But what we can do is we can say, what are those words actually say, what the words say are absolutely beautiful. They're glorious. And they're 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 glorious because we still haven't lived up to them. There's still something to which we can aspire. So at the time that they were said, they were aspirational. And as we sit here in 2023, they remain aspirational. They say that, and this is one of our two ground rules for today's conversation. I want to make two ground rules. This is the first ground rule that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with a capital C with certain rights and those rights are unalienable. That, yeah. The doc spells that out, and that is something to which we can aspire. I want everybody to understand, your rights are pre-constitutional. They come before the constitution, and they do not come
0: from the constitution, and they sure as heck do not come from the government. Now, just, just, just for clarity here, we're talking about natural rights, not the right to free health care, for example, that everybody likes to talk about.
1: Yeah, I don't want to get too far down the the whole track of what's positive and what they call positive and negative rights. I'm talking about the fact that you have life, that you have liberty and that you were able to pursue your happiness. And I'm somebody that spends a lot of my time career wise on those second on on the second and third item. Right. Your liberty to be who you are and express yourself free of restraint or license requirements from others. And then, by the way, that's what campaign finance is. We were back there. It's a licensing scheme. It's, it's, it's a state permission to talk or communicate. Um, what we, what what we're talking about here is, is that, and the pursuit of happiness and the thing I like to talk about in context of happiness is the principle of human respect, which says that any time you use, you harm another person through violence or theft you will always diminish their happiness, harmony and prosperity. It's an, it's always true. And it doesn't matter whether you delegate it to somebody called a law enforcement officer, the, the rule still holds, you will diminish their happiness, harmony and prosperity. So people need to be able, in order to flourish, in order to live their best life, they need the freedom in order to be able to do that. Uh, so hap- the pursuit of happiness means, I. A lot of people talk about that as being a property right. And it is, and that's probably the way it was meant at the time. But I, I think it's a better wording because you can have property in other things. So, Bill, you're a musician and I just watched you in a video where you're playing piano and you're doing a speech uh, for people uh, and you're, you're doing your, by the way, really enjoyed your, watching you play piano. Really, really enjoyed that. And as you were playing the piano, that's you have acquired a property. It's not literally something you can like build a house on. But it's, a, yeah, set, it's yeah. a skill or it's an ability to express yourself. And it's a way that you put yourself out into the world that has value, right? You pursued that and your expression of that clearly. I can see, by the way, that you're enjoying playing. I can see it. Yeah, it's happy. Um, yes. So that 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 is the pursuit of happiness. That's what it's all about. No one's guaranteeing happiness. I guess that's what you're asking. They're pursuing happiness. It's the ability for you to say, I've got a dream and I wanna go after that dream. We're still aspiring to be that. So ground rule number one is the constitution comes out of a document that says, all men are created equal. They were endowed by their creator. With what? Rights that are inalienable. They belong to them, they can't be taken away. The point is the government only should exist for the purpose of protecting those rights. That was the theory of the constitution. We can argue in another episode whether or not that has happened or succeeded because I have, I have reason to take issue with that. But for today, I want to be clear. This applies to everyone. Everyone is created equal by their creator. And this is consistent with our, our philosophy here on this show, because we believe there's two certain metaphysical truths. And the very first one of those metaphysical truths is that God created people like this is, we are made in God's image. And so there's something special. The image of Dei, there's the image of God in every person. And that's the beginning. That's the first step to understanding the Grace Archie message. So we definitely agree and, and think that this is aspirational in nature. You don't have to agree with my faith-based view on this, but it's there in the document. And it's there as, as maybe a secularized version of that same concept. And it
0: it undergirds what we call the Constitution. We could talk about what God means to you or anyone who's listening, but the point is that the aspiration is there, whatever you call it. Yep. I understand. So ground rule number two. Oh, well you need an interpretive key. You need a hermeneutic.
1: You need the ability to understand what it is that you're reading and how to do it. So here's the key. You ready? It's found in the ninth and the 10th amendment. The ninth and the 10th amendment are the kind of the final ratification stages were there was an agreement We're going to we're going to pass this Constitution. We're going to get a Bill of Rights into place right behind it. We're going to have we we settled on ten amendments. There were twelve proposed. We settled on ten of them. And number nine says, basically, if I'm just summing it up, that if the Constitution doesn't address something, if there's something left out here, assume that that's a right. In fact, broadly assume that we can't possibly number all of the rights. But we have listed certain powers that the state has. And those are the only powers it has. That's the 10th Amendment. So this gives us a doctrine called the doctrine of enumerated powers. The 9th and 10th Amendments are put together to say that there's basically a doctrine of enumerated powers. And the way I like to explain this is enumerated is simply a fancy word for numbered. You can count it. So we can sit down and we can go through the document and we can find out what powers the government has is a finite list that can be made. And it can be no bigger than that finite list. We can sit down and go through it. It's a finite list. But if something is not covered there, the ninth amendment says, assume it, like just assume it away. The 10th amendment says it belongs to the states or the people. That's, that's the one that says, assume it away. Okay. Everything that is left that you could possibly conceive of. And so this you say, you asked me a question at the beginning. Wait a minute. These old white guys that put this thing together were they were they uh, envisioning a future? Well, I don't think they could see what was going to happen yet. But Thomas Jefferson himself said, uh, you know, we got to renew every so often uh, our, our our values. He suggested that it would that if we stayed with the exact same set of rules going forward, that it would be like a ch- uh, trying to fit back in your childhood clothes, right? So there was an understanding that things were going to evolve. Things were going to change. They believed that they were at time, at the time in an age of progress. And so they said, you know, we've got to have some method for amending this thing. And we also have to make very, very clear there was there's a centralized debate going on between the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists, the people that were pro ratification of the Constitution, those that were concerned that it was going to create too strong and overburdening uh, uh, involved central government. Um, who ended up being right, by the way, and the, and the, but the federalists said, we don't need a bill of rights because the constitution only lays out these powers. No, there are no other powers that existed. They said, you know what? We'd really prefer if you put that in writing, you said flat out. And that's what the ninth and 10th amendment are designed to do. It's just, it's very, very limited. So there's nothing we're going to say here in this multicultural conversation. That's going to vary in those things. And I would defy any conservative to be as constitutionalist as I am about to be. Because you're not. 99% of the conservatives I meet want to violate the Constitution. And in
0: today's episode, guess what? We'll prove it. Well, let's bring it on. I, I want to make an observation about that assumption clause, which I think is a valid one. Were you scared in school by people who said never assume anything? I don't know. Why? Well, you know, what is that thing? To assume something makes an ass out of you and me. Yes. Yes. So there's been this pejorative nature around assumption where we all just steer clear because we don't want to look foolish. But I think you make a very valid point here that we need to recognize, and that is that there are powers that are not enumerated. What do we do with those powers? And, and kicking them back to the people is a really, really great place to put them, because the people can decide. Yes, we can, people we can, can no interact longer and live their greater, lives and, and talk to each other and figure out how they want to do things. Right? right. Without making some broad assumption that, for example, the Constitution doesn't apply to certain races. People, hello, if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. Or people that don't have certain types of papers. Right. If you haven't got the the right kind of uh, immigration documents, for example, the constitution doesn't apply to you. So let's go into immigration because, uh, you know, it was written during the age of reason, right? The, the enlightenment. And certainly people back then would have recognized the incredible magnetic power of a country like America in the world, which was Mm -hmm. completely unique. And they did. And they did. And they made some provisions for people who wanted to come and share the, you know, the goodness, right? So a good chunk of my lineage, not all of it some of it comes even a little bit later, but a
1: good chunk of my lineage arrives in the 1870s, starting with 1870 and, and going you know, forward the next you know, 10 so years, right? That's the time frame. The name BABka arrives on the shore in, in 1870. This was a wave of immigration, and at the time, here's a stunning fact: there were no immigration restrictions. There were no specific immigration laws. There was no queue that you had to go. in. everybody's like, wait a minute. There was Ellis Island. Yeah, there was. But you didn't have to go there to get into the country. And many people didn't. And those that did weren't told that they had to leave. They might be slowed down because they were found to have a disease. But they weren't told that they had to leave. This was a country that will open them. With open arms, which is why the Statue of Liberty sits there, which is why Emma Lazarus's poem that begins with give me your poor, you're tired, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, your refuge uh what is it? How's it uh your refugees from remember. a distant shore? Yeah, so so uh but it it really just it talks about all these kind of like you know negative people these these people that are burdened and poor and dirty and Like, they're the ones being welcomed in. There's a golden lamp at the door inviting them in. And there was no law to restrict that. The very first laws that were put in place to do that were to restrict the Chinese. And the way, and it was the the campaigns that were uh, waged on that were completely racist. Completely and entirely racist. And then they were upset that the Italians were coming. And then they were upset that this group or that group was coming. Uh, almost every group has not really had a welcome committee, and we've almost and we've decided after every one of these waves has happened that we're actually pretty happy with the people that arrived. This has worked out pretty good. We especially like their tasty dishes. But there was no immigration law, none. And here's what here's the thing about the Constitution: the Constitution does address immigration, but it talks about how to become a citizen. It explains the process for naturalization. So I defy, keeping in mind the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, I defy anyone listening to go into the document, go into the document and find the word immigration. You can't, but go in and find the doc, the word naturalization. So almost every club has a set of rules for what it takes to be a member of the club. Naturalization are the rules for what it takes to be a member of the club. There's no restriction on coming to the country and being a part and saying, hey, you know what? I want to join this dream too and I want to contribute. I want to be a part of it. I want to realize the, the, what's, what's potential, the potential that's here. And, you know, I remember an immigrant that I met and this is, I'm not making this up. I'm literally not making this up. You're going to think that the phrase I'm about to say that I'm, I'm putting words in his mouth or I'm, I'm quoting some trite quote. He said, Americans don't realize what they've got here. Your streets are paved with gold. This was a gentleman from Africa and he was taking full advantage of the American dream. Okay. So. There was no immigration law. We didn't okay. get
0: immigration restrictions until what the twenties, thirties?
1: Uh, no, we got them in the late eighteen eight, hundreds, late eighteen okay. eighties, eighteen nineties timeframe, having to do with the Chinese.
0: Now, got it. So that was why the first. is
1: this? Imp- By the way, just there's my challenge because right now I just a whole bunch of of Constitution God loving conservatives are upset with me now, right? because they want that word to be in there. And they say, well, we got to be able to protect our shores. They'll invent something just like the Supreme Court invented compelling state interest to try to justify their deeds. And and I, by the way, I've heard all the arguments over the years. None of them hold water. It is wrong. It's not in the document. You're not abiding by the ninth and the 10th amendment when you... When you speak these words, you're not living up to the aspirational nature of the Declaration of Independence, which is kind of the preceding document. You're not doing either one. You're not doing either one. So if you say, well, there's some other thing about sovereignty and all. No, no, this is a different country. And, the, and it was put, put down in writing. You're inventing post hoc justifications. Now, the way that you do this is exactly the way that every politician gets everything they want, including the politicians you hate the most. And so I want to say one more thing about the immigrants before we leave this topic, one more, very important thing, all the stuff that you think is wrong with the country right now, I don't pick anything. I don't care what you pick, all the stuff that you think is wrong with the country in terms of the policies that are being enacted, the people that are being elected, the way that they're behaving, you don't like where the culture is going, all of this, you know, who is isn't to blame immigrants? Yes. You know why they have no power. They are powerless. I'm talking about anybody that comes here. They come here for, for opportunity. They don't walk in the door and all of a sudden they're elected King. None of them are serving in Congress. None of them are running any of our bureaucracies. None of them are presidents of the United States. None of them are on our federal bench. None of them are running our major media corporations. None of them are running our, our, tenured professors right now. They don't just walk in and do this. They're not, I, there might be a couple tenured professors. I don't want to qualify that. But you understand what I'm saying? There is, it's smug, well-fed white people, to quote George Carlin, that are running most of this. And it's not just white people. There's a few other people, too but it's the leaders of the Republican party. It's the leaders of the democratic party. It's the cast and crew of CNN, the people that run the New York times. It's those people that have brought us all of these things. Now, if you want to suggest right now that we break from the constitution and you want to have a massive deportation program to set this country straight, and those are the people you want to send, you might even be able to get me to sign up, but leave immigrants alone. They're scapegoats. They are
0: powerless. They are not the problem. They are not the ones ruining your country. And we actually have some incredible people in Congress right now who lots of folks in America look around and say, oh, that can't be an American citizen. Uh, great and mother. yet they
1: are. I'm fifth generation. I'm the fifth.
0: I'm seventh or eighth. I guess and even when, the people when... that
1: even the people that set their boot on Plymouth Rock still came from somewhere else. Came from somewhere else. And what point I know that they act to... like their blood's so blue they own the country, but it, it, the fact is we are a nation of immigrants.
0: This this nation is predominantly people who came from somewhere else. So let's talk about the people who didn't come from somewhere else and how our constitution protects them because there were and still are Native Americans, people who lived in North America before it was colonized. (laughs) Um, And that gives us an opportunity to discuss how this constitution lets us talk about multicultural, should we say protections, guarantees, rights, I'm just saying the Constitution is for everybody.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like it's for everybody, regardless of their gender, their creed, their uh, their their personal values, their aspirational goals, their race. Like it's for everybody. It's 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 a document that's basically saying, okay, you want to come and play the game that's called America. Come play. Okay, Um, out of bounds is over here. That's that's how that works. Right. It's not it's not any more complicated than that. And, and honestly, the federal government wasn't supposed to be involved in our day-to-day lives. It was supposed to have so little to do its powers were so limited. There's some debate over the original constitution, how many powers it actually had article one lays out most of the things Congress can legislate on in terms of things that were actually laws that it was able to pass that were binding on us citizens in any way, the number is somewhere as low as somewhere between three and six things. The number of specified powers could be as low as 18 at the original at the outset, maybe a few more like that's debatable. OK, you, you get what I'm saying? We could. But even at the biggest list, it's not that big a list. And yet the federal government is involved. It's involved in virtually everything. And by the way, it's involved in shafting uh, Native Americans, too. That's that's part of it, what it does. But it, it's. <laughs> The federal government is basically this large program that is designed to make certain people wealthy. That's what it is. It's it's people benefiting at the expense. It's a few benefiting at the expense of the many. That's largely what we've ended up with because they've left the bounds of the constitution. But in terms of, you know, who do, to whom does the constitution apply? It applies to all of us. To whom does it afford protections? It provides all of us. Let's take the second amendment. Let's consider
0: the second amendment for just a second. Okay. I was going to start with the first, but okay. All right. Let's start with the first. Well, no, that's I'm, even better. Hey, We have the right to free association. We do have the
1: right to free association. And
0: we get lots of news about how that right has been played out recently. I'm thinking of January 6th, which is back in the news again. Thank you very much. But a free association implies that we need to be able to get together to work this out, to set limits, to rein things in, to advance new ideas, to do what we do, which is to be American. Why do you think we are not doing that, Jim, when it comes to the the awesome power of the federal government that we've allowed to run amok. So we,
1: we don't have, we don't practice grace. That's the number one problem. As far as I'm concerned, we don't understand that there's a principle of human respect underlying all of this. You know, if we can get those, if we can establish that that we should practice human respect and we understand that that's going to include the messiness of extending grace and grace is that favor that you give to someone whom you don't understand and maybe you disagree with at the moment. They might even be doing something that's repulsive to you. Instead of condemnation, judgment, canceling, shutting them down, what you say is, wait a minute, what's your deal? You know, like I have to do with you every, every week during our production meeting. Exactly, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, completely not true. That's why I'm able to say it. Um, Bill is, is one of the sweetest encouraging people I've ever been around. Uh, the First Amendment gives us the ability to speak. And even when that's unpopular, even when that's going to hurt people's feelings, it gives us the ability to print or publish or broadcast, right? Uh, Those are our press rights. Even again, when people don't like what, what's being said and, and it, it, it only, unfortunately, maybe for some people only restricts the state's ability to take that power away from people. Now there was definitely some people we in the recent Twitter files case, there was definitely government powers working in collusion with social media to avoid a legal process and use private means and the force and threat of government or the incentive, they use the carrot and stick approach to get corporations to do their dirty work for them. And that's just as much a violation of the First Amendment as I can think of. I, I That's a repulsive and honestly, I think people should be going to prison for it. I think it should, they broke the law as far as I'm concerned. But we have these rights so so and the government is supposed to make sure that those things are protected, the federal government's must make sure that state and local governments don't take those powers away from us. Those are always supposed to be there. And the second amendment. You know, the second amendment, the reason we have gun control laws is is based in racism too. We there were laws that, the, that started to be put on the books to keep arms out of the hands of African Americans particularly in the south. The second amendments a right for everyone to protect themselves because again, they're, 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 they're image bearers. They're their creator's image bearers. And we recognize that I have a property right in myself. You have a property right in yourself. Everybody watching has a property right in themselves. You can defend your property from harm. And in the case of your body, you, you may need a pretty significant weapon to do that. You may be outnumbered, right? They may be coming to your house. You may be outnumbered. And you have to have a weapon to do that. Our fourth amendment protects you from general, from, from the imposition of what's called general warrants. Somebody capriciously saying, you know what? I just want to search Bill's stuff. I want to rifle through his stuff until I can find something wrong. I want to go on a fishing expedition and see if I can trap Bill in trouble. Right? Cannot do that. Right? And that right's really, really interesting because of the word that they use in the document. There is not citizens, it's persons it's persons because remember this is a pre-constitutional right you are free from this imposition we can't go into your property and start rifling through your stuff that is persons do we practice it that way no we say you know there's certain types who might be wanting to carry out terrorism and how do we know this well maybe they have darker skin or maybe they uh, maybe they're conservative uh, too conservative for us or whatever it is or maybe they're eco-terrorists we can anybody we want to pick that isn't playing along with our established Establishment, we can uh, label them as terrorists, and we can pretend that they're not persons. They're not persons, and we can go through and rifle their stuff. But you know what? the 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 person who is is an ecologist is that where that's their really adamant thing. The person who is adamantly Muslim, the person who is, uh, or, or just you know, deeply profoundly you know moved by that particular faith the the person you picked, you just name somebody here, and I'm going to say to you, every one of them is covered. What has to happen to get your Fourth Amendment, to get a warrant going under Fourth Amendment conditions is there has to be some evidence a crime was committed. And until that crime's committed, it can't happen. But you know what? We have a gigantic intelligence national surveillance apparatus that's monitoring all of our phone calls, monitoring all of our emails, collecting all of that information. And did did you get to pick this? In fact, was there ever a national referenda? Was there ever even an election where this stuff was decided? The answer to this day is no. These were a lot of some of these things were rushed through immediately after the Patriot Act, but there was apparatus that was already there in advance of that. Oh, sure. J. Edgar Hoover? Yeah. COINTELPRO and all the different stuff the FBI did. You know, this the song Billy Joel saying, We didn't start the fire is definitely true. Yeah. The fire for our government has been in place pretty much since the beginning, since the Alien and Sedition Act. It's been pretty much there all along, okay? They've kept trying to find powers that they didn't actually have in the Constitution. Even some of the old white men that signed that document got themselves into a bit, you know, here and there, trying to find ways to go after their political opponents or
0: advance their personal commercial interests. It's been going on. When you pointed out persons versus citizens, that really hit me, and I think this may help resolve some of the sort of discomfort i'm feeling about this whole thing right now being named a person is very multicultural in fact yes. it, it it is pan-cultural yes. mm-hmm. right you stand on american soil you are a person in america mm-hmm. the law applies to you and more importantly it restricts what can happen to you as a person yes. right yes uh, that's just one example are there any others like that Where the constitution, yeah, the the same thing is true.
1: I believe it's the Sixth Amendment, which suggests that we can't use cruel and unusual punishment, and you have to have you have a uh, you have a right to a speedy trial, right? That might be some of the Fifth Amendment. You don't have to speak to incriminate yourself in the Fifth Amendment, right? Yes. And 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 these again, uh, the the the, these are personal rights. I I don't as my Sixth Amendment rights happen to be also uh, personal. These rights, I want to emphasize, are pre-constitutional. Yes. They come before the Constitution, and you did not get your rights from the Constitution. And all of that comes out of the fact that you were born into this world as a person, as a human, as an image bearer, as an image bearer of the Creator. And this is the beginning of the whole chain of thought to which to this very hour, Bill, we're looking to aspire. You know, I'm motivated to this, and this is, maybe this is where we bring it in here. I'm motivated to say all of this because I sense that there are people who want to believe that they are constitutionalists, who want to believe that they believe in limited government, who want to believe that they aspire to that thing which was handed to them, that they even believe some people died to help them uh, have freedoms and blessings that come from this constitution. And yet they would be willing to take those rights away from other people, other classes of people. And the essential step that they take when they do that is to dehumanize them, to depersonalize them. Grace is about coming into that contact where I become to meet you as a person. You are real, you are substantial and you have something that motivated you to be who you are right now to respond the way that you are right now. And it might be if it's a negative from my perspective, cause I could be wrong, but let's pursue, let's assume I'm right. It might be that you had some moment of pain just a moment ago. It might be that you had bad information that led you to the moment that you're at right now. It, it might be that I need to learn something right now. That's what grace is and the real freedom that we're going to get isn't gonna come from the Constitution. It turns out it needs something, and people frequently say to me, it's an unenforceable document. Well, you know what? You know how the enforcement happens? It begins with you. It's where you decide, I'm going to extend grace. I am going to practice the human respect and recognize that other people are pursuing happiness and harmony and prosperity the way they see fit. And then we can have something even better than this democracy we have. We can have a gracearchy. Thank you.